Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud kind of rolled the dice here with how we wanted to try to time the week and presentation of the show, mix it with football, and uh, obviously a lot of interest is uh, surrounding the basketball team. Uh, we'll be able to talk about a team that won uh, their round one of uh, the NCAA tournament today and uh, kind of be able to give an idea as to thoughts as to where the basketball team sits and also transition our focus to uh, – to football. So as always, want to thank Louisiana Hot Sauce for making podcasts like these possible. Our title sponsor we couldn't ask for better leadership uh, from a support standpoint. Fantastic product uh, that we're fortunate to be able to brag on. And as always, uh, want to thank them for the support that they give us. Absolutely, man. It's, it's a great hot sauce and uh, an awesome company to work with. So we're very excited about that. And, and even more excited that Florida State is on to the round of 32. Survive the opening game. Ended up beating Vermont. Uh, yeah. You know, and did a pretty damn good job, I, I, I got to say, overall. You know, if you look at this, first, we, we need to start with our, with our condolences to Phil Kofer, right, who, who did not play. Uh, his, fa- his father, Michael, uh, passed away uh, following a long battle with, with illness, uh, and our, our hearts and prayers go out to, go out to Phil and his family. Um, now, he didn't play – you know, due to injury, uh, not not due to that news. I guess he received the news. It was reported by several outlets after uh, after the game, and, and received the news with his teammates and and, uh, and his family. But uh, anyway, our, our thoughts are with uh, with Phil and his family. You know, with, with that at the top, I, I a pretty nice job by Florida State today. They, they they get the win by seven points over a a scrappy Vermont team in what was kind of a pseudo road game. I mean, it, like just watching it today, uh, I wasn't there in person. They were definitely, the crowd was all about some Vermont. Yeah, it was a, I jokingly put on Twitter that it was a good road win for Florida State. I mean, it was, it was everything possible that uh, you could do to, to give a 13 seed a, a home environment. And, you know, sometimes you just get unlucky. I'm not claiming conspiracy with that or that the NCAA was out to get Florida State. Uh, it's just kind of the short straw that you drew. And uh, not only did you draw the uh, <laughs> the attendance makeup, but you you drew a team that shot better than it will probably ever shoot in its life. Uh, that is the recipe for how a team like Florida State loses game one. You've, you've got a bunch of kids that come out. Uh, they've kind of got one one player that you can build around and then a supporting staff that plays at a level that they you know don't otherwise and Florida State was able to weather the storm uh, weather a team that uh, overperformed from a, a you know seasonal standpoint as far as what they're capable of doing from distance and a really great win for Florida State and uh, you know we're, we still have a lot of uh, games that you hope Florida State can play in the tournament but it certainly nudges the overall season I think into a, a place where you would label it a, a resounding success so nice to get out of game one and will be uh, very interesting to see what's left uh, for the rest of the tournament. If you had told me that Florida State or that Vermont was going to hit 16 threes, I would have been like, man, really? Like this this team deserves more than that. I mean, they, they just won literally like school record number of wins in a season. They, they said it today. I, this is a really good basketball team. They're, they're dealing with, with some, you know, some serious injury stuff right now. And yet they, they still find a way to win. And they did it. Despite the fact that Vermont was hitting uh, contested threes and threes that were not so contested at times, which Leonard Hamilton uh, had some of the, I, I really wish I, I had the game pulled up on the internet as opposed to TV because I, I would have sat there and, and made some gifs of sort of like the Hamilton, uh, like I'm not real happy with things happening face that he does, uh, which is pretty great. I mean, they hit 16 threes and Florida State still won by multiple possessions. Here's how they did it, right? Offensive rebounds. They beat them twelve to seven. Sixteen to eight advantage off those off those rebounds. They won the overall rebounding battle thirty-nine to thirty-three, which to be honest, I I guess a team like Vermont should be kind of automatic to me. So maybe that wasn't even that good of a, a, a margin for them, but at least they, they did win it. They also won the turnover battle after a really sloppy turnover start. I mean, those first three or four minutes of the game, if you're playing Florida State in live betting, by the way, no knowing they're their sub patterns with, with Calvin Galley, like just wait a couple minutes and then pop them if you're trying to if, if you're trying to bet FSU as opposed to doing it pre-flop. Uh, just word of advice there, given that they oftentimes are going to get down in the first couple of minutes and then be fine. But I mean, points off turnover seventeen to five in FSU's favor. 
basically like they just dominated the paint area as far as the scoring. Now the rebounding, it took a little while, and and their depth also really paid off. Even though they were down a couple guys without Kofer and you know with, with Nichols getting hurt a little bit in this game too. Only got three minutes from Savoy. It was a little bit of a strange uh, rotational pattern, and yeah, and, and then you had injuries already, you know, looped in. And your that. bench points. I mean, look, I, obviously it 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 includes you know Kevin Galli, so this is somewhat misleading at times because he probably should be a starter. But thirty to seven, that's pretty solid. And you had nine steals to there too. So you know, and then of course the the biggest one that we talked about before we started recording was was the free throws. I mean, it was this uh, clutch uh, down the down the uh, final minutes of the game that I can remember Florida State shooting free throws. It was just a, a fantastic performance, and really was what uh, you know never never kind of let them get within more than five points or so to an extent. There, you uh, gave yourself a little bit of a breathing window or breathing room, gave yourself a window to operate, and uh, just a great win again. A team that. Uh, it was playing above its head, was shooting lights out, was able to play in front of a home crowd, uh, all the kind of ingredients that also often uh, when they get mixed together, you see a four seed losing to a 13 or something like that. But uh, great, just a team that's uh, got a ton of mental strength, uh, really easy to like, support, and and cheer for, and they're just really endearing and has been a hell of a lot of fun to watch them so far this year. Indeed. It was cool also to see them – stick with their plan and and wear them down right like it the the announcers in the game who i thought were actually doing a pretty good job um i mean obviously some of the, the twitter comments were i i understood some of them but some of them i think were, were because one of the announcers was a woman but I, I thought she was doing a pretty good job i mean from you know not being an expert on, on this one team or, or, or that one team they were pointing out that vermont was kind of beating florida state off the dribble early on and and florida state did not look that much more athletic than, than Vermont early on. And that was kind of true, I think, early. But then, man, like the final 10 minutes of the game, Florida State just looked like the far superior team. And that, that probably is due to that depth, uh, I, I, I would think. It also didn't hurt that uh, Terrence Mann just seemed to kind of be in the right spot on every single play in the second half. <laughs> he, he certainly uh, – he gave Florida State a, you know, a presence that they needed. Uh, they needed somebody other than uh, Kevin Gailey that uh, they could kind of feel comfortable with the ball in their hands and just great leadership, great moment, uh, and, you know, one of the better per-half performances that I can remember from a Florida State player, certainly in postseason play in, in quite a while. Uh, just a, a big, big moment for a guy who uh, – Played a vast majority of the game with three fouls, and there wasn't anywhere he was going. Florida State desperately needed uh, his production and poise and leadership and everything that he brought for him. Exactly, man. So that, that was that was really cool to see. Uh, obviously, you know, Fee goes in there and, and was able to score a lot too. It was was pretty emotional. They had to kind of calm him down a couple times there at the end. Um, at the beginning, I almost thought he was. Uh, almost thought he was trying to try to inject energy into his team. I mean, it just had that feeling, you know, you again, you were kind of playing a road game and that uh, one dunk that he had that Nichols made a great pass, I think it was about 10, 12 minutes left in the second half, was just more a guy, to me, that felt like he was trying to wake his, wake his team up. And then as he, you know, successively continued to beat two and three guys and just two-hand dunk on everybody, I agree with you, he started to get a little, little closer to level. I was worried he might might get a little warning to you or something like that. You know what else worried me a little bit was was when David Nichols hit those first two threes from pretty deep. I was like, oh, damn it. Like, okay, like, A, yes, I'm very happy to have the points. I, I love having those six points. But here come, like, three shots from, from the half-court line. It just, you know, I, I was talking to Matt Minnick uh, about this tonight, and, you know, obviously he, he wishes he could join us, but we, we kind of screwed that, that scheduling, uh, scheduling up there. He's like that's just kind of who he is because you know with his former team he was the like the guy who had to score the ball and it's just hard to get that hard of a scorer out. But yeah, that was funny. I was like, as soon as he did that, because I've watched enough of this year, I'm like, oh well, okay, <laughs> here, here comes some very early in the shot clock, uh, deep, deep shots, uh, and then well, I think he took two or three in in pretty successive fashion, and 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 then uh, and then he kind of stopped. So I wonder, wonder if they talked to him about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I wonder if it was that or if I wondered if uh, he got a uh, he got onto a loose long rebound where unfortunately he had a guy kind of roll up on him 
Well, that's true, which, too. Which uh, leads me to, you know, if you're not uh, a diehard basketball fan and you're not familiar with uh, the player that Murray State has, you'll you'll certainly, you know, you'll be uh, you'll be quickly brought up to speed by the national media. But uh, John Morant is uh, probably a top three, oh, certainly a top five pick, uh, one of the better players in the country. He's a, a kid out of South Carolina that's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but a guard who's got great handle, can create his own shot, and is pretty unselfish uh, when you consider the level of player that he is and the level of player that he you know plays with. And I think Florida State's uh, in good shape but uh, uh, overall, but I, I certainly do worry about the idea of uh, two guards that have injuries trying to trying to match up with uh, Jaw, and particularly if, if you don't have Phil Kofer coming back. You know, just a little bit of a little bit of a concern when you start to look forward. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I mean, look, Florida State plays in ACC, so they do see good players all the time. But Job Job Morant is going to be. By the way, his name does sound like a Game of Thrones character. I don't know, do you watch? Yeah, I, I do not uh, religiously, but I I, I do, and uh, I agree with you. So this guy's going to be like one of the best players Florida State's seen all year. Right, I mean, like obviously they they've seen Zion, they they they've seen a couple of you know the UNC and Duke guys, and and UVA's got some studs too. But uh, man, this I can guarantee you this is going to be annoying because these announcers with very little prep time, like only about you know thirty six hours before Saturday's game, are going to have to like come up with some storylines, and their main storyline is going to be how does Florida State defend John Morant on a you know on, on a bum ankle? So you're going to hear that name about a billion times. I was talking to, to, to Minnick earlier, and uh, I said, well, how are they going to do this? And he's like, look, they're, Hamilton is really like very well known for coming up with plans to stop guys or teams that are kind of like like single-scorer teams, right? And that's not to say that the rest of Murray State sucks, because they don't, but the gap between John Morant and the rest of Murray State is, is pretty huge. There aren't any other okay. lottery picks running around, uh, certainly. <laughs> there, there aren't any other picks. Yeah. no. I mean, like, screw the lottery. There may not be any, any more D-League players on, on, on that team, um, which if you guys aren't basketball people, the, the D-League or the, you know, the little developmental league the NBA has is kind of like their, their minor league system absent uh, going to Europe. Anyway, yeah, he's a stud. I, like, I guess you have Trent Forrest on him, but Trent's certainly not healthy. I, I If David Nichols is healthy, but he just got his ankle rolled up, you know? Like, Kofor was in a walking boot today. I, man, I oof. I'm not a huge like this matchup doesn't make me real comfortable. I was watching the lines come up on the offshore, you know, and it popped out at six, and it looked like like the the six side on, on Murray State because the, their Florida State was six point favorites. Uh, the six was taking taking some early cash. I mean, granted the the limits aren't that much, so who knows just how big those bets are. But uh, certainly, some people who know basketball are probably getting on Murray State fairly early here. I think Florida State can win and probably should win because I don't know how, how good Murray State's defense actually is. And, and we know that the team Murray State killed, Marquette, really did not finish the year very well, right? I think they – we were talking to our slack earlier for Tomahawk. And I think somebody was saying they had lost six of their last seven, which is not really <laughs> not really the, the hottest of teams entering the tournament. But anyway, what is your favorite true TV show other than the NCAA tournament? <laughs> true TV. Um I can't say that I've watched. Did cheaters ever appear on True TV? Do you know? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that would be it. I, I, my dad watches some True TV. I'm always like, huh, okay. So uh, I can't claim to be a subject matter expert when it comes to what their their programming offers, at least from the uh, the the micro level. I, I, I'm pretty familiar with what they offer from a broader perspective. I think they do. Like to me, True TV is basically all the old stuff that the Braves used to play. During rain delays, right? <laughs> so, like, World's Wildest Police Chases and, like, some drama about how, like, uh, you know, husband killed the wife, blah, 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 that, that type of stuff. They don't have Forensic Files. I know Forensic Files is on uh, HLN. So, uh, I definitely DVR that. And I think I've seen every single one of those since I work from home. Sometimes when I'm, like, sorting through photos, I'll have that on in the background. But speaking of bad TV here, we're a little bit off topic, but it's okay because it's spring break, so there's not that much to talk about right now. I, I go into the bedroom tonight. And uh, you know, tell him Maggie was gonna uh, gonna you know start recording and you know make sure the dog's not all barking and whatnot. 
And uh, she's watching a show called X on the Beach. Dude, this has got to be the worst show. Like, the editing, the the script. It It's an MTV show where they're obviously play on words. X on the Beach. I was like, what What are you watching? And she's like, well, I, I just... She's pretty pregnant. Um, and she's like, I, I can't reach the remote. <laughs> so... I was like, uh-huh, that's, uh, normally I would not buy that excuse, but in this situation, you know, I, I understood the excuse, but, uh, but yeah, that's really bad. So if you're looking for some real trash TV to watch, it's basically that they had this thing where like you go down in the basement and your phone is unlocked and your ex gets to go through it. Not partaking in this game show or reality TV. No, thank you. Phone stays locked. Uh, Ingrid's got that 24-pin code. Nope, not giving you my phone. Thanks for having me, though. We'll uh, take a real quick break here to thank our friends at For the Table Restaurant Group, Madison Social in particular. Uh, As we mentioned last week, want to reiterate the fact that we are home to the mothership during this year's spring game. Really looking forward to uh, hosting an event at Madison Social. Uh, Doors will open at 10. Uh, We'll have uh, the pint glasses that uh, we've been trying to spread around on social media. Uh, If you wish to uh, order one of those, follow the the link that will be made available in uh, social media. And also we'll put it in the uh, show notes at various places where you may come across this. So uh, we'd love to have you join us at Spring Game. Always uh, something that we've taken an awful lot of uh, fun from and enjoyed interacting with listeners. And uh, if you're in the Tallahassee area, please... uh, do everything you can to come by. We'd love to interact with you. Love to have a chance to uh, talk some ball and then make our way over to the spring game. Also, we were asked, uh, will these pint glasses be for sale? And uh, as of now, they will not be for sale online. You have to get them in person. However, if for some reason we don't sell out, and I wouldn't count on that because the response last time was overwhelming, but last time we were also really excited about lethal simplicity. Uh, so hopefully we sell out. If for some reason we don't sell them out, uh, then we will be able to offer them to y'all online and maybe who knows we've had a a lot of uh, positive response on us so far maybe we will be able to have some kind of second run of these things uh, if if they go really well but very excited to see y'all there already had a lot of good feedback as far as folks coming so looking forward to it and yeah at the mothership man pretty cool Uh, i think we'll also be able to expose ourselves to uh, to a good number of folks who maybe have never even heard of the old cast so what what do you want to talk about now let's transition to uh Oh, are, are you taking Florida State or are you taking Murray State with the six? I guess we should, we should probably get a pick here. I'd be a little more interested to know the <laughs> – I mean, I, I want to know, like, the extent of the injury that uh, Nichols sustained and what his ankle feels like. Uh, but ultimately, I think Florida State will win. I think you're looking at another appearance in the Sweet 16. It's kind of a tough pick spread-wise because, like, like you said, we don't know about Nichols. We also – I'm not really sure – just how good the team Murray State just beat was, right? Like Marquette, like how bad? I, I re- I'm not gonna lie, I've not been paying attention to Marquette like down the stretch. Um, but like, how bad were these losses down the stretch? I'm pulling it up right now. Like, like if if the team that that Murray State because Murray State killed them today, you know, I mean they, they beat them by 19. Yeah, as a 12 five ran away with it. Okay, so yeah, the, uh, they lost by six to Nova. By six to Creighton, by nine to Seton Hall, by two to Georgetown. They killed St. John's. I assume St. John's is terrible. 86 54, so that's a 32 point win. And then they lost uh, again to Seton Hall by two. So they, they had a couple close losses there. So maybe the team that, that Murray State just beat really is is not that good. They beat Nova earlier in the year. This is, this is, this is Marquette. Uh, they did beat a decent Buffalo team earlier in the year. The one thing I'll say about this, just looking at the scores in in the Murray State games and and uh, and obviously in the Florida State games, is that this game will be more played at at FSU's pace. Vermont really didn't want to play that way. I think Murray State wants to play pretty fast. Be yeah, no, they like to they like to get up and down and uh, play in transition, and they're it, it's an interesting uh, style matchup and. Hopefully we'll be able to record sometime in the middle of next week and uh, preview a Sweet 16 uh, possible Elite 8 matchup. So uh, credit to the basketball team. Been a fantastic year so far uh, to be able to follow them, and it's been uh, been a lot of things that will be remembered for uh, an awful long time as far as what they've done. A little bit recruiting, bud. Uh, Coach Taggart had the opportunity to send out a ring, ring, ring tweet um, tied to uh, – one Zane Herring who uh, made it made Zane Herring Day uh, a little bit more official with an actual commitment. 
Yeah, pretty cool there. So Zane Herring, offensive lineman uh, from nearby Madison. Uh, I've seen Zane a lot, so I feel pretty comfortable talking about him. Uh, He was one of the guys who came uh, in the last week since we last podcasted. They actually did uh, Zane Herring Day. Did you see this? Kind of neat. Um, Now, look, do they need to do Zane Herring Day to get Zane Herring to commit? Probably not, but I I do feel like it's it's a – if you can make a kid feel special – Go ahead and do it. And there's also like like a, a risk reward factor here to where, you know, if you do this for a kid who is probably not going to commit, then you might look kind of foolish for it. But if, if you do it for a kid, you're pretty sure it's going to commit. It looks like uh, li- like a good win for you and your staff. Uh, so Zane Herring, pretty good sized lineman. I I think he can play tackle. His better position might be guard, but he's not one of these guys who I'm just like, all right, he can't play tackle. So you, you know, I've not been afraid to say that in previous recruiting classes, uh, kind of the last two or three, really. He had a really good performance uh, as a junior, as, as you know, Mass County, like they took the state title in, in pretty overwhelming fashion. He's, you know, Travis Jay's teammate, very good high school player, pretty tough kid. Um, I, I spoke to to John Garcia, who was at the uh, the Under Armour, the Under Armour camp in Orlando uh, the day it was raining. I was not able to make that and he told me that that Herring performed really well, so I was I was good to, good to hear that because obviously John played some college ball and, and is a bright dude, and, and probably a couple of y'all know him. He, he's actually uh, he's a Noel, even though he went to Syracuse. Anyway, so I, I do trust his opinion on that. I saw Zane at the uh, the Nike camp in Orlando, and I, I just being honest here, it was not one of his best days. He, he got beat a couple times, uh, and it just goes to show you that uh, you know prospect progression is not linear. Uh, so, yes, you can have a bad day. You can have a good day. The important thing here is that Herring has had a, a string of, of good to really good days, performances, games, etc. So I, I'm not even sure what he's ranked right now. I really don't care about rankings this time of year because they're not they're not real accurate. I mean, I've been doing a lot of my travel uh, for the year in March, and I'm seeing all these kids. I'm like, what, what's this kid rated? Okay, this is kind of silly. <laughs> Right, uh, but uh, you know, like the best receiver in the country right now is is only rated like a, like a four star on some sites, and I, I think he should be like a top ten kid in the nation. So, anyway, Zane Herring, uh, they got him rated on the two four seven composite. He's in the like the top four fifty, uh, so that's a high three star right now. Six five three hundred. Uh, I I think that's all all verified uh, size. That's that's probably about right. He's, he's a good recruit for them. Uh, I, I think he's a versatile kid. I, I don't think he can really play center because he, he's a little little tall for that. Uh, he's been reshaping his body, too, as, as far as getting in even better shape. He's starting to lean out. He, he's sort of just starting to look more physically mature. Those are all good signs. This is a good get for Florida State, and somebody fans should be pretty excited about uh, to have, despite the fact that he's a three-star. And, you know, I, I'm never going to be like the stars don't matter guy, but uh, March stars, to me, don't really matter just because of the amount of, of changes that we do see in the recruiting rankings as, as they evolve and, and progress as the year goes on. But Inger, I do think one thing here is, is yeah, what you're getting in the player is good. What you're getting in him as a recruiter is is also pretty impactful. Yeah, he's a kid that's uh, going to be not going to be shy about uh, trying to get kids to join. And hey, look, anytime you can get a kid out of a Madison County is it's good as far as I'm concerned. Uh, nice to be able to provide a, a really solid piece. Uh, I think again, you're talking about a guy that's raising the uh, the overall floor of a position group and a guy that will pay some pretty nice dividends on the recruiting trail as well as far as an asset uh, to trying to put together the best uh, you know the best 2020 class possible here. Dude, there's no doubt about it. I believe he has a little bit of a a friendly wager going, it looks like, uh, from reading the tea leaves on Twitter with quarterback Jeff Sims about who, who can get more more big-time guys to commit. So that's always a good thing for the Knowles. And uh, here's another underrated thing about this. He can kind of jet over to campus pretty quickly when Florida State has big guys coming in. Not that Jeff Sims can't, but Jeff Sims lives, you know what, two, two and a half hours away? And Madison's like an hour down the road, if that long as you drive pretty quick. That's not bad at all. I mean, he can easily get over there and, and kind of be the, the recruit host and, and the guy that that helps other recruits understand 
the, the, the love and the joy and the excitement that these kids have for Florida State in their class. So I, I think that was a pretty big deal. It's, it's good to get him on board. I think he's currently like the lowest rated player in Florida State's class. But again, uh, I, I don't No, Actually, OK, they still have Jeff Sims rated lower than him. Jeff Sims somehow not in the top five <laughs> seventy five yet. Again, this is all this is foolishness. Uh, uh, they also don't have. OK, they have Jadarius McKnight as the number one player in Florida State's class. Mm, okay. Wow. These rankings are like, I really haven't bothered to look at these very much. These are jacked up. Keyshawn Green's the best player in Florida State's class. He should be a top 100 prospect. There's no doubt. After that, I would take probably Tate, Dix, and, and Dunson. Then probably Sims, McKnight, Herring, some order of, of, of the final three there. Um, Anyway, yeah, this this is a pretty nice start to the class. They're, they're getting a lot of talented kids at positions of need. Uh, the, the key is going to be getting uh, getting some more kids to come on board, and they they took some steps to uh, to doing that uh, this week. Actually, uh, following up what was kind of a, a disappointing junior day, but if you look at like this weekend plus the previous weekend, then and you counted those as one junior day, then I think you'd have to be pretty happy. Isaiah Walker is another <clears throat> kid who made his way to campus. Uh, kid out of uh, South Florida, Miami, New Orleans, a place that I always have a soft spot in my heart for one. Uh, Xavier Rhodes uh, being so kind to make his way up to Tallahassee. But uh, Walker, talented kid, has a little bit of a Florida State legacy and uh, somebody that's currently committed to South Carolina. Okay, so here's the deal on, on Walker. Number one, I called him Isaiah the first time I met him, and he did not correct me, Right. But other people who know him call him Isaiah because his name is spelled with two S's. So I'm going to lean to the idea that the kid was just being polite, maybe, you know, and and I called him Isaiah. But it, it my guess is his name is actually actually pronounced, you know, Isaiah. I would not expect you to know that because I clearly didn't know that either the first time, I, first time I talked to him. Six foot four and a half, maybe six five. 280 range, uh, had a pretty nice day at the Miami Nike opening. Now, he is a South Carolina commit uh, currently, but, I mean, look, do you really think South Carolina is going to keep a, a, a high-level four-star type kid out of out of Miami for the whole year? Let's be real. Yeah. If he was in Jacksonville, I'd say maybe. Probably not Miami. Right. Probably not Miami. I, I would agree. That's not anything in South Carolina. It's just there are levels to this thing, right? So uh, his dad actually played for Florida State for a couple weeks uh, before before he, he sustained an injury and and, uh, and couldn't play anymore. Uh, I think that was back before they had the medical hardship scholarship. So I, I don't know that he necessarily like um, you know has a huge connection to Florida State's program, but it's certainly really good to get him up there. Uh, we know Jeff Sims has been recruiting him. We know Zane Herring has been recruiting him. Like this is the kind of a left tackle type dude that you need a guy who can come in and play. Uh, Guy who can come in and potentially play, you know, be a, a starter as a, a second year guy, uh, as opposed to um, like you know Jalen Goss, the kid they got out of Valdosta, who they like, but is, is not really going to be expected to start until year three. You know that that redshirt sophomore year. Walker is a higher caliber of recruit, so he could maybe start as a redshirt freshman after after one year on campus, as opposed to having to having to put in two years, you know, on on campus. Now, I don't think he's ready to flip or anything at all at this point. I, I chatted with him a little bit. He said uh, the next visit he's going to make is he's going to take uh, uh, take a visit up there to South Carolina spring game. Not sure if that's going to be an official or an unofficial, so we'll have to see. Uh, certainly, if you're South Carolina, the, your play right now, this is almost like baseball recruiting in a way, and like you kind of got to figure out what your sweet spot is. Yeah, you, you can you talk to some of these college baseball coaches. You know, I run into them once in a while. Not just Florida State guys, but other programs. And you chat with them about recruiting, and, and uh, they, they kind of like to swap notes on how stuff works. But one of the things they tell you, like, "Wow, you you got the number one prospect in the country to sign." Like, yeah, but it, it's it's actually not a good thing because the kid's never going to play here ever because he's going pro, and it also might scare off some other kids. So, you know, if you're South Carolina, c- congrats on on scouting this kid out and getting on him before maybe you know some other programs did. You kind of have to take that chance if you're South Carolina because if you if you get on him later, you have no real shot of landing him, right? 
whereas other programs might have to wait a little bit to confirm that he's actually as good as they need him to be. The other thing is you, you got to get this kid to shut things down early if you're them. Like the, this is their their play, right? When he goes up, when he goes back up there, if you're South Carolina, you, you got to put the hard sell on this kid. Hey, man, we, we need you to shut it down. We need you to remember why we were on your first. We need you to remember just how much we need you. Blah 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 blah. You know, and, and see if they can hold on to this kid for the next nine months. Good luck. We'll we'll see, but I don't know that I necessarily expect him to stick with this South Carolina commitment. But uh, but I asked him, and he said he, he definitely is still committed to South Carolina, still very high on the Gamecocks. So uh, ultimately, good that they were able to get him up on campus before the spring game, and they would love to have him back uh, for. FSU spring game. From uh, one prospect in Walker who's committed to <clears throat> maybe a less than uh, blue blood SEC school to uh, to another prospect here, uh, Richie Leonard, a uh, kid out of uh, uh, another in-state prospect, uh, currently committed to Kentucky, uh, kind of the athletic interior offensive lineman, at least in my opinion, uh, had a clip on social media a week ago or so where he I don't know it looked like it might have been a halftime of a high school game or something like that but he threw the ball uh off the back of the wall and dunked it so a pretty explosive athletic offensive lineman who uh also appears to have made a an early commitment to an SEC school indeed uh, like I said you know these SEC schools that the kind of the mid-level ones and the lower level ones they have to take a lot of chances on these kids and uh I like Richie Leonard a whole lot. Uh, I, I think he is a – I think he's pretty good, man. He's a kid I would actually take right now if he wants to come on. Now, I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's actually a guard. Uh, but I chatted with him for a while at the Orlando um, uh, opening, and, and he told me that uh, he's actually working on uh, on snapping the ball and thinks he can really increase his value as a pro prospect if he can learn to snap. I told him, I, I said, I, I completely agree. A lot of the, you know, what, what, what separates a guard from a – from a center, a lot of times it's intelligence and the ability to snap the ball, you know, uh, and, and good tenacity, good athleticism, good size. I would take him right now, and, and I'm not real high on taking many guards in this class. You need to be much more, much more tackle bias. Uh, but I, I think Richard Leonard's a good kid uh, to take in this class. Now I asked him. I said, "Hey, should I, should I flip my crystal ball anywhere after these trips you, you've been taking?" He said, "No, uh, I'm, I'm still very committed to Kentucky." That's probably the smart thing to say until you're not. But if I had to bet, like, Richard Leonard, Kentucky, Richard Leonard, not Kentucky, I would probably make uh, – I'd probably make, make sticking with Kentucky a, a pretty severe underdog <laughs> compared to going somewhere else. Just just saying. Uh, and, and I know Florida State is, is pretty high on him. So uh, other schools will be as well. I think Miami likes him. Um I don't think Georgia is necessarily going to make a move on on him. I'm trying to think about the other schools that I know are are actually interested. South Carolina likes him, but I mean, obviously that it may be late in the game uh, for them. LSU has been looking at some Florida linemen more, so may have to watch out for the Tigers there. Um, but still, I think Florida State has a, has a pretty decent shot there, assuming they keep the pressure on and they don't find anybody else uh, who they like more. Another uh, in-state lineman. This one probably projects a little bit more uh, on the outside. Uh, Thomas Schrader, a kid out of uh, Venice, Florida. Yeah, so he's a kid who's been really like picking up a lot of a lot of big-time offers lately, right? Um, he's also going on a little bit of visit tour. He hit up Florida State on the 16th. He hit, he hit up uh, Auburn on the 18th. Pretty good tape. Um, now he's. Listed at 6'5", 265, I would – I don't know. When I saw him, I don't think he's a 6'5". I think he's kind of more in that like 6'4", six, six, range. And, and I don't know. It's kind of probably hard to describe on a podcast. But if you if you do this enough, you kind of just are able to eyeball sometimes and say, okay, that kid looks more like a tackle, looks more like a guard. I, I think he can play tackle. Uh, he's not that like classic – Super long tackle look. He he is rather lean though, right now. Um, he's probably two seventy, I would say, maybe two seventy five, but he's definitely not close to three hundred at this point. Good quickness. Uh, he had a decent day at the Nike opening. I I will say I went back through my notes. He got beat a couple times, but he had some really tough matchups, and that's always something important to review. When I go back and I look at all my one on one clips, I'm like, okay. 
did this kid have a sort of adjusting for talent level, right, or competition level? Did this kid have a bunch of really easy matchups, and thus why I gave him, you know, four check marks for, for being four and zero in his reps? This kid went one and three, but w- with the plus sign. I'm like, okay, so he kind of held his own against some dudes who, who I consider to be really good players as well, even though they got the best of them. So I, I had given him a, a little plus sign, despite the fact that, that he had uh, he had you know gotten beaten a couple times. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily a take right now. I've not asked them about this specifically. I've been doing a, a, a ton of uh, a ton of travel, um, but I, I I would love to see him get in camp and and see you know see Randy Clements work with him. That was really one of the big things this weekend too. Was all these guys that Florida State had offered, some of whom had been offered under the former coach Greg Fry, and some of whom are new offers, but making sure they're able to meet the new offensive line coach Randy Clements, watching him practice, which you know, obviously spring break, but watching how he works and, and and be able to chat with him, talk offensive line play with him, that's a big thing. So I know that, that, uh, that Florida State was excited to get these dudes on campus. And, and Schrader's a kid, I think they'll continue to monitor. Staying with the uh, theme of offensive linemen, this time we'll go out of state. Uh, a kid that I think is probably more an interior prospect, but interested to get your opinion, uh, Chris Morris out of uh, Freedom Prep in the Memphis area. Yeah, Chris is a, a pretty cool kid. Um, I, I I like him a lot. Uh, I've seen him a whole bunch. Man, his body kind of says guard to me, but at the same time, like he's quick. So I, I've seen him go up against some really good defensive linemen in, in, in a camp setting, and he's got the quickness to to get out there and get in front of him. So if you know, if you told me, hey, I, I think Chris can play tackle in in this offense or that offense, I'm not going to tell you. No. He could also be a really good guard. He actually reminds me a little bit, um, guard-wise, who's the guy for the Patriots who went to um, went to Georgia Tech? Oh, he's out of uh, Tennessee. I know you're talking about. Um, mm, Trey Mason. Uh, he, That's his name. Yes, Trey. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of, of Trey a little bit. He's got a lot, he's got a lot of quickness to him. Um, if you look at him physically – he doesn't look freaky. He's not like crazy cut up. He's not crazy jacked. He's fairly well put together, but he's not one of those like first off the bus. Oh my god, that dude's huge! Or or he just he doesn't look like a freak athlete. But he's pretty damn quick for his size and, and does a good job. Good football player. He came down uh, with, with a bunch of his teammates with, with, with a group that he's with. They're on kind of a a tour of the southeast, I, I believe, just from looking at at his Twitter. Pretty. Uh, Pretty solid there, and uh, this is a nice list of names that they were able to get on campus last week as far as offensive linemen goes. Now, look, I don't think you're going to be able to get Chris. I, w- I would guess like he will probably stay somewhere in the Tennessee, Arkansas, you know, if if Auburn or, or, or Bama were to get involved, that that type of range kind of up, up a little bit more north. Uh, he's a big hunter, by the way. Uh, Chris loves to hunt. If, if you look at his Twitter or his Instagram, it, it's a bunch of pictures of him hunting, so – uh, a dude who definitely definitely likes uh, likes to do that. So um, anyway, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say we just made a reference to uh, one Georgia Tech lineman. Name's not Trey Mason. My fault. Shaq Mason is uh, Shaq Mason, his name, right. and he is from Tennessee. Trey Mason was the uh, the, the Auburn, Auburn running back. back. Yeah, so he did the, you know, the premature Heisman post. Brain was partially firing there in the old uh, information recovery. Shaq Mason, a uh, uh, former Georgia Tech offensive lineman, and uh, moving on to a brother of a former. Georgia Tech offensive lineman in uh, Josh Braun, kid out of uh, Live Oak, Florida. And that's a really good kid to have on campus as well because he can play some football. Yeah, he's a hell of a, as, as hell you of know, a prospect. Yeah. Pretty good offensive lineman family. Um, his dad is, is, a, you know, is a guy who's coached offensive lineman for a long time. Um, I really don't know how this visit went, so I don't have a whole lot to add on here. I'm not just going to make something up. I will say it's good you got him back on campus again. He's a guy who could be a, a very high-impact kid for you. Um, there may be better schools in Florida State after him right now, so we'll have to see how Florida State does on the field this year. Uh, I would say with his dad, I'm pretty – look, he'll, he'll make a really informed decision, right? And I think stability will factor into that, so that will matter. I mean, if, if Florida State doesn't have a good year on the field this year, then you're going to have a lot of hot seat questions – regarding 2020 and 2021. Uh, so they're going to need to have a year on the field, I think, that convinces um, the Braun family that that, uh, that this is a 
a thing that's going to work, the, the Taggart era at Florida State in the long term. And that, that's the thing you have to overcome because you went five and seven in year one. It's it's just the way it is. Uh, the former Georgia Tech offensive lineman that I was referencing was his brother, Parker Braun. Uh, any idea that ultimately where he may go will have any impact? I mean, they won't really even necessarily overlap. It just may be a, a further ability for one program to have access or make a, a more meaningful impression upon uh, Josh. Now, didn't he commit to Texas? Did he point? commit to? I, I wasn't sure about that. I know he was considering Florida as well. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd for own selfish reasons, I'd be fine if ultimately Parker decided to go to Texas, and I missed that. Better that than Gaines. Uh, yes, he, he he did commit to Texas uh, per per reports here. Jason uh, uh, Sochamel Sochamel of uh, Orange Bloods, which is kind of like the. Um, that's a, I think that's the biggest rival side out there, or if not, it's, it's pretty close to it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a solid two per weeks fa- ago. So, uh, swinging a miss on my per part. A family there. member of his, a graduate transfer, uh, Parker Braun is committed to Texas. He was a two time all ACC selection, Georgia Tech. Yeah. Multiple sites for confirming. So yeah, uh, he's, he's committed to, uh, to Texas. So, uh, we will see if that, uh, if that plays into it at all, uh, for Texas. All right, other kids that have recently been on campus, a uh, uh, prospect out of uh, Carver High School here in Atlanta. Is it uh, Joe Quavius Marks? How would I, how would I pronounce the first name there? Uh, I, I'm going to go with Joe Quavius. Very quick. If, if, if you watch him, he is like – he can fly. Very, dude, change, change of direction prospect. Great agility. Uh, not a big kid at all. I mean, I, I think he's listed at like 5'11", 180. I don't know. I don't know. On, on his huddle, I don't know that he looks that big. So I, I'm actually going to be in Atlanta each of the next two weekends. Um, like I said, I'm trying to do a lot of travel in March. With some stuff coming up, I need to get knocked out. I will probably have a chance to see him at one of the two events. I haven't checked the pre-roster yet, but if he's there, I'll be able to see him in person. Uh, but they need to take two or maybe three running backs uh, th- this time. So he's an interesting kid to watch there for sure. Uh, depending on how much they like him, maybe he becomes a take uh, right now. I don't know, you know what he's rated at this point. Wow, they have him as a top 150 kid in the nation already. That's uh, that's a pretty lofty ranking. Um, so we'll we'll see uh, we'll see if he lives up to that. Another Georgia prospect, uh, Valdosta area, Jaheim Bell is a kid out of uh, Valdosta High, a uh, talented, uh, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a longer athlete. Was he 6'3", 205, listed something somewhere in that area. Uh, I've seen a lot of places list him as just kind of the old generic athlete. So uh, where would you think that he ultimately uh, might project uh, at the next level, bud? Have you uh, have you seen this kid? This is the dude that we talked about like two or three episodes ago when I said go go watch this kid dunk in the basketball. Um, not, not Malachi Wyvin, but 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 the other kid that, that I advised y'all to go go watch dunk. I, I think he could fit in in a lot of ways. He could be a linebacker. He could be sort of like a, a hybrid receiver tight end, depending on how big he gets. I mean, it, he looks kind of like physically kind of how Keith Gavin looked in high school, and Keith Gavin obviously has not worked out. At Florida State, but he's still around, so maybe he will you know, end up having a, a successful uh, on-field career uh, and, and get his degree. But uh, yeah, Jaheim Bell's a dude. I I think you just take him and you figure out the position later, or maybe just ask the kid what he wants to play. Ninety-nine percent of kids want to have the ball in their hands if, if they're given the choice. So I would imagine offense is the way that I would pitch him, uh, and, and, unless he tells me, "Hey, coach, I, I want to play defense." But uh, a, a dude who's racking up big-time offers and uh, look, Valdosta, that, that needs to be Florida State territory. That's that's right down the road. Um, you you, you got to lock that area up. If, if he's a if he's a priority target for them, they need to make sure they get that done. And uh, finally is uh, Reggie Grimes, a prospect who has a pretty significant tie to Alabama, but a talented kid in his own right. I put this kid on the list because he showed up, but realistically, Florida State's not getting Reggie Grimes. This is – we probably don't need to waste y'all's time. It's good that they, they got him to come down. It's never bad to have kids kids visit. It's only bad if you inaccurately think you have a chance, and they have no shot, in my opinion. <laughs> so, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe, maybe old takes exposed if they they pull like the miracle of miracles, but Reggie Grimes, 
if I don't already have a crystal ball in for him, because I was going to do it when, when I was at Future 50 in, in Orlando back in January, if I don't have one to uh, for him to Alabama, I should do one now, just as a reminder to myself. Oh, I did. Okay, I, I did do it yet yeah, on, on New Year's Day, actually, I put it in. So, All right. Uh, yeah, I think Reggie Grimes is going to Alabama, but he did show up at Florida State, so nice job there uh, by the staff to at least get him on. Maybe he'll tell some talented teammates uh, how much he enjoyed the visit. Uh, the show is going a little bit longer than I thought it was going to, man. We, we, uh, we're, we're covering a lot of stuff. A little recruiting talk in. Uh, Bud had a couple of uh, recruiting – excuse me, we've had a couple of uh, lines that have come out that we'll kind of wrap the uh, evening up with. Uh, but just want to talk about uh, some of the initial lines that we've received. I believe Florida State's, a, what, a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Boise and uh, one-and-a-half to two-point favorite over Miami. Uh, yeah, man, that, that's like bet online put these out. Uh, unlike the lines that w- that we had the other, other week, where they were letting you bet fifty dollars, which is if you're expecting return on that, it's like five percent. It's it's really not worth your time to to bet those. They'll actually take five hundred bucks on these already. I, I was a little bit little bit surprised about that. I, I don't know if they like opened them up at fifty or something earlier in the day and, and then raised the limits up to, to five hundred later. But yeah, you you can pop these for a nickel each if you want. Um, and I think you can actually wait 60 seconds and then and then rebet them too. So you, over and over again, if you so choose. Does either of these stand out to you as uh, as off? Uh, I mean, the Miami one I, I looked twice at just to make sure I was reading it right. But uh, I would, uh, I think the the line with Boise is pretty much exactly where I'd put it, and I'd probably have Miami a little bit closer to pick them. I think we might be exactly opposite on this. I. Uh, I, I totally understand why. I think that that the Tate Martell becoming eligible at Miami might create some value on behalf of Florida State, actually, because I don't think he's that good. Yes, and his he's a lot more famous than he is good, in my opinion. In fact, I don't think he was going to start at Ohio State. Right? Yeah. No, I, I don't if think Fields he didn't transfer. I mean, like, legit, this is the important point. Like. Everybody thinks he transferred after, you know, because Justin came. And look, there's no doubt. I don't think I mean, Justin was going to beat him out. But I don't know that he was going to be the starter if Justin did not come. The Ohio State people I know, they don't miss him mm-hmm. at all. And they weren't going to miss him with the exception of kind of like death stuff. Like, they don't think he's a game changer. Now, I do think that Martell does raise the floor of the position there at Miami simply because he, he knows what to do with the football and at times, Nikosi Perry and Jaron Williams and, God, whoever else you had playing QB there for a while, uh, just looked like they had no no earthly idea of what to do. So that does raise the floor for them. But I don't know that he raises their ceiling that much. Uh, and we'll just have to see. And I, I don't know that he's like the guaranteed guy to start at Miami either. I'm also not 100% in love with laying over a field goal to a, a Boise team that I think is a better team than Miami is. I, I might, I might take Florida State over Miami here, and take uh, and 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 take the four and a half with Boise. Uh, good for us to have a little bit of a, uh, a different uh, point of view there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, any other any other lines been released? You know, other than just those two. A lot, yeah, actually, uh, but not for Florida State. Well, yeah, sorry, I mean Florida State-specific, uh, but... There are some interesting ones. Uh, Florida is favored by eight over Miami. Um, that's one I was... Or seven and a half now. If that gets under seven, I'm going to look to take Florida there, uh, for sure. Um, just, I feel like that could be one of those Mar- Martell uh, things. A&M uh, came out as a... 21-point underdog at Clemson, and that got bet down to 15. What else here? Uh, South Carolina, North Carolina came out, I think it's six, I saw. Hold on, I was actually discussing it with somebody. Yeah, okay, so um, South Carolina came out at either six and a half or seven over North Carolina. I think Sam Howell might be starting for North Carolina, so that could be, uh, that could be an interesting one. Um Oklahoma's only laying 11 and a half at UCLA, so depending on how much you believe in the chip rebuild in year two there, that could be of interest to you. Florida is given 14 and a half to, t- to Tennessee in the swamp. And this one's interesting to me. Georgia 
is only giving uh, four to Florida. You know, Georgia has beaten every single SC opponent in the last SC East opponent rather in the last two seasons by ten or more. They have not played a, a single digit ball game in their own division in, in the last two years. I did not know that. I'm going to take Georgia minus four over Florida again until Florida shows me they can actually score over Georgia. A game that we've talked a long time about how a lot of people are that wear orange and blue are going to have to have some pretty significant uh, mental kind of a, a resetting of expectations and uh, what they expect from that game. So be fun to watch that fan base deal with that. It it, it certainly will. Um other interesting stuff. Ohio State's a three-point dog at Michigan. Uh, Bama is 14-point chalk on the road at Auburn. Man, no respect for Auburn there at all. That's that's a lot of points. Um, LSU's favored over Florida in, uh, in Death Valley by two and a half. That's not much. TCU's actually favored over Texas uh, in, in Dallas. What are the uh, early lines on Clemson so far? I'm just curious. They're they're absurd. I mean, they're 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 outrageous uh, to the point where like I don't think you you can't actually bet Clemson. Uh, I thought they were two up, but now I only see one up, um, fifteen over a And M. But it was twenty one. They're probably going to be at least three touchdowns over every everybody in the, in the ACC. How, okay, here's a question for you: How many points would you need to take Florida State at Clemson right now? At Clemson, uh, yeah. That's where the game is. This Twenty, year. yeah. I just, <laughs> unfortunately, I have a, a a strong recollection as to what took place in Doe Campbell last year. Um, somewhere between twenty two and twenty three and a half, probably. I think we're right on the same page. Yeah, because realistically, they depending on how the season goes, but they they probably wouldn't give you twenty. They probably wouldn't give you like a twenty four or twenty five. That, but that's probably where I would really need the range to want to say that that's what I want to take. You know, Notre Dame's 11 and a half dogs at Georgia. If you're into that, does Auburn play Oregon this year, like at Oregon, or is it a neutral site? Because it's, it's like, looks like it's to open. Uh, I think Auburn's going out to Oregon on August 31st. No, it says it's played at a neutral venue, but it doesn't say where the damn neutral venue is. Maybe I should tell me. Oh, in Dallas. Okay. Still, I mean, they got Justin Herbert. I don't know who the hell Auburn's starting quarterback's going to be. All right, this one's running long. Um, Gonzaga did close out uh, uh, Fairly Dickinson, and uh, the Syracuse Bader game has not started yet. It's on True TV. If you want to catch some true TV, I will. Uh, you got anything else? Click it over. No, man. Enjoyed it as always. Uh, look forward to talking next week. Hopefully, we'll still have some basketball to talk about. And always uh, appreciate the recruiting insight that you're able to bring for uh, myself and our listeners. And some football uh, talk now that the kids will no longer be on spring break. Moving, moving into a little bit more football. So, as always, uh, thank you to anybody that chooses to listen to this. Uh, if you have the opportunity and feel comfortable doing so, uh, any kind of five-star review on iTunes or any other platform is uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, we look forward to joining you next week. And uh, please do keep in mind uh, the spring game tailgate that we'll be doing at our friends at Medicine Social.